0: I think there should definitely be a cap percentage that has to go to local companies and entrepreneurs. And this isn't something ridiculous, like 5% of funding. This needs to be a significant amount, like half.
1: Hello, and welcome back, everyone, to the Power for All podcast, a forum for leaders working to end energy poverty. I'm your host, William Brent. There has been a chronic shortage of financing to provide energy access to clean, affordable, reliable, and sustainable energy to the hundreds of millions of people across Africa and Asia who still live in energy poverty. Regrettably, that was reinforced yet again in the recently released Energizing Finance Report from se for It is also becoming abundantly clear that local companies, companies that know their markets best, are struggling most to access that energy. In this episode, we're honored to be joined by Damilola Lola Ogunbi, the CEO of SE for All and the United Nations Secretary General's Special Representative for Sustainable Development Goal 7, or SDG 7. Ms. Ogunbi's accomplishments are too numerous to mention, but prior to joining SE for All, she was the first woman to be Managing Director of the Nigerian Rural Electrification Agency, where she initiated Sub Saharan Africa's most ambitious energy access program. This episode is also part of Lessons from the Frontline, a regular peer-to-peer learning series that offers an opportunity to hear directly from the people shaping the energy access agenda. The series is brought to you by Energy Catalyst, an Innovate UK program that supports innovators working in Africa and Asia to achieve universal energy access. So welcome, Dami Lola.
0: Thank you, thank you for having me.
1: Yeah, it's great to reconnect. Um, So I know that se for all just recently released their newest energizing finance report. Uh, I've seen a lot of uh, coverage of that report and the the headline being that we're we're quite far behind our our target in terms of finance for achieving energy access, universal energy access. I'm wondering, as it relates to energy access innovation, uh, in finance and I mean what are the barriers that are preventing these these innovators and that, that are across sub-saharan africa across asia what's preventing them from from scaling more rapidly when it comes to finance what did you find in that report
0: well, we didn't only really focus on people just doing energy access. We looked at energy as a whole. So this is everything from grid scale renewables all the way down to to SHS. And the truth of the matter is, just there's just not not enough money coming into the system either from the DFIs or the investors or any any anybody that actually. Um, needs to provide funding I mean um as a total in the twenty high impact countries, this is really between Africa and Asia. We found there was about forty three point six billion going into the sector, but we only found about sixteen billion going into residential and even more worrying we only found three point three billion going into african um, um, African renewables of that of the total amount, there was only one or 1.5% going into pure access mini grids. So, I mean, I just wanted to just show you just how big a gap is. So if it's, I don't know if it's about barriers of accessing money or people not understanding how critical it is to have funding available um, for this key task, because to achieve SDG seven by 2030, it's critical to achieve net zero. So we're trying to explain to people that we have to have new ambitious targets and, and the funding has to back it up um, in terms of um, getting to a point where we actually achieve SDG
1: 7. And did you come up with any specific solutions to to achieving that that or for bridging that gap?
0: I mean, one key factor is that people first should recognize how big the challenge is. Um, I have to recognize, you know, I, I've spoken many times in terms of local companies and local entrepreneurs as well playing a key role in bridging that gap and having instruments that could be directed to them. And these are not companies that, you know, have raised their series A, series B, but they're doing critical work, especially in, in, in post-COVID. So there needs to be funds directed to them. But overall, in terms of subsidy mechanisms or in terms of even commercial funding coming in, it just has to be increased. The other key part that is important is um, local currency as well. Um, We know all the issues that happen with local currency risk. So we need to develop instruments um, to also make sure local currency is available and hedge on that foreign exchange
1: risk. And I wanted to dig a little bit deeper into the issue of local entrepreneurs. A recent statistic from Gogla that showed that about 75 percent of investment in 2020 into the solar home system uh, segment of the market was concentrated in, in three international companies. And that's just a staggering number when you think about all of the, the local last mile, whether it's solar home system companies or mini grid companies that are, are trying to get off the ground in, across Africa and Asia. Uh, if 75 if percent, three quarters of the, of the money is going to, to three companies, it means that a lot of local entrepreneurs are being left out. So, um, and, and we also know that it's those companies that probably know the market conditions best. Uh, they're able to foster local capacity and job creation. So, you know, within the energy access innovation uh, space, as it relates to finance, I mean, what do we need to do to ensure that this revolution in, in energy is, is supporting those local Uh, African and Asian entrepreneurs?
0: I think there should definitely be a cap percentage that has to go to local companies and entrepreneurs. And this isn't something ridiculous, like 5% of funding. This needs to be a significant amount, uh, like half. Because um, again, I don't want to, it's such a big problem. We need local and international, but you normally find a lot of the local companies are the ones subcontracting for the international companies. And most, uh, the way that people are judging um, how people perform is how well they can form, you know, fill in application forms and how they have all the documentation instead of what they're actually doing on ground. And I think what COVID has shown us, it was the local guys that stayed back, right? It was the local guys that came up with innovative ways in terms of vouchers, um, in terms of powering healthcare. They're the ones who came up with this, not necessarily the international companies. Again, international companies are also needed, but there needs to be a really key focus on the people doing the work. In my previous law in REA, that was my pure focus. And it's it's quite sad to see how we've gone backwards and how local companies and entrepreneurs are not allowed to access these funds because of such stringent guidelines that that they, they will never achieve it. And the person who could, talk the best, and again, and fill in application the best way are the ones that are getting ahead. And it's, it's a sad situation for the off-grid because we need everybody.
1: Well, and I know you've been doing a lot of work trying to you know, shape the way that G20 countries and other countries from you know, wealthier economies view this issue. I'm wondering what, what response you're getting from those types of, of countries or don- you know, major donors about that type of 50-50 split. Is there a positive response so far?
0: I mean, the companies and the countries, we're really discussing a more higher level. Um, The G20 is more important for them to understand that energy access as it relates to electrification and clean cooking has to be on their agenda. A lot of these countries uh, haven't been focused on decentralized energy at all or clean cooking. It's always looking at kind of large scale um, grid scale renewables. Again, it's it's important for the energy transition, but um, what we've been able to manage is really push the energy access point of view and, and show that all these things are needed and they have to be done at the same time at scale. to to make sure we achieve this. And we can't just pick one or two things. We have to actually be working together. And the response has been good. And we're hoping we'll have some follow-up work from Saudi Arabia, but also Italy, who would be um, the next presidency of of the G20. It's also important to note, and in my role um, in terms of the COP, 26 um, energy transition council co-chair it's also something that we've been talking about that energy transition cannot be left on its own without energy access and you have to show people how they can actually achieve access in a low carbon way as part of the energy transition plans instead of having that as two separate things
1: yeah, and I think you know. Besides COP twenty six, which I know you're heavily involved in, there's also the high level dialogue on energy that the UN's having next year for the first time, I believe, in forty years, which is, you know, I'm sure, I th- obviously, a big focus for you as well. But you know, so coming but coming out of COVID, we know that there are uh, a million problems uh, that people are trying to solve for. they are limited resources, uh, and I know that you and Essie for all have thought a lot about how to recover better coming out of COVID uh while and i'm sure that includes a focus on accelerating energy innovation in africa to end energy poverty but with so many competing priorities post covid how do how do we not get lost when i say we i mean the energy access community how do we not get lost in the the needs that are so huge for on so many issues
0: i mean it it's it's very simple energy access really does save lives and what covid has shown us is that there has to be a greater focus on energy access. And it's not just, again, it's not just the solar lantern market. It's more in terms of how do you get energy for economic growth, which is what I've always stand up stood for, and SE for all has. So providing power, clean energy to healthcare centers is critical for the for the economy now. Um, we we see the figures don't lie, you know, you can create 3.5 more jobs than you can from your fossil equivalent. You can get zero point nine three cent GDP to a dollar if you invest in clean energy. So I think it ticks all the boxes for government: um, healthier people, healthier economy, um, and that's what we should focus on. And and countries, you know, sometimes climate isn't number one, but you could do climate by default by making sure that they understand and these needs are actually taken care of in your clean energy transition, of which the data. The data plays a, a critical role, but I'm really, really encouraged. Most of the governments I've been talking to since we since we um, started producing the Recover Better with Sustainable Energy Guides, especially for Africa, Caribbean, and we've done one for um, Southeast Asia now. People do want to do the right thing, but they it all goes back to the funding. It's, it's 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 one thing to make decorations, but it's another thing for countries and development agencies to realize that this actually has to be funded, and that's why um, the high-level dialogue that at the UN General Assembly level, first time in my lifetime, forty years, will be in September, and this is the time we need to we need to speak about speed and scale for everybody, and we cannot take away the economic development conversation especially in developing countries, it has to be both, it cannot, we can't keep going on the minimum level of access anymore. That, that is not fair and that doesn't give, you know, a lot of these com- countries the impact they actually really
1: need. Absolutely. Uh, you mentioned economic growth and economic impact. I mean, social welfare through healthcare and uh, education are also, you know, part and parcel of, of the discussion. Uh, And I know that SE4All is doing a lot of work around cooling, uh, around healthcare, Uh, and I'm wondering if if you can't give our listeners a few examples of, you know, for you personally as well as for your organization, what are some inspirational innovations happening around energy access that, that, you know, gets you excited and and gets you even more uh, motivated to, to unlock the financing that we're still missing?
0: Um well I I mean in terms of financing I do think there needs to be big organizations making huge commitments but for SE4, we have a This is Cool campaign. Please check it out. It's on our website. And it just explains what different countries are doing, how we can um, manage um, our energy needs through energy efficiency, and uh, the different better types of cooling that we, we, we can implement. So that's really good. The other work we're doing is um, on, on powering healthcare and looking at what are the needs um, of the standard healthcare um, facilities in Africa. Um, and how do they differ? What do they do compared to maternity stations and not maternity? Um, working with the Nigerian government on the 100 primary healthcare care um, facilities they're about to power. And then also working with Sierra Leone as well. Um, but I guess what underpins all of this is the data. And we are we have now decided in terms of our integrated energy planning, we're also going to have um covid um distribution vaccination plans cuz it's really really important if the vaccine is anything up to -70 or -90 it will struggle in the developed world it's really important to understand what the cold chain and energy needs will be for the developing countries as well
1: that's great and so remind uh, our listeners what your url is your website and also are there is there a specific web address for the energizing finance report that just came out um, no it's
0: all on our website so it's se for all that's S E F O R A L L dot org and um, please go on the website and um, yeah let us know your views and it will, it will just be really great. Uh, I think as a community now we can't keep on being fragmented. And we need to think bigger and think of scale and not not think of energy access in this kind of small way. It affects 789 million people that have no access to electricity and at least 2.8 billion that have no access to clean cooking. So it's important for us to kind of come together and uh, lead the charge in, um, in, in making sure this actually happens.
1: Yeah, and and on that point coming together is there a, any news on the se for all forum uh, that was uh, postponed till 2021 yet
0: yes um, we've made we've decided that we do want to have it in person so we've postponed it once again and uh, the timelines are going to come out um, the focus of next year is we're going to have a dedicated youth summit which you're really excited about and it's actually being developed by a um, uh, uh, a young set of SE for All staff that are under 30. So that's really exciting. That's going to happen in February. And then we have the high-level dialogue, obviously, that's going to occur in September. And then we have the COP which is going to occur in November. So it's, it's very busy and there are different times to interact. But um, for me as the CEO and as an organization, it was important to take people to Rwanda and, and, and show a different lens to Africa and, and the access conversation. So the big SE4 forum will still occur in Rwanda, but just not next year.
1: Great. Yeah, that makes sense. And when, when is the youth summit that you refer to? That sounds fantastic.
0: Yes, that will be an online summit in February. I'm sure you guys will get all the details to that. But it's it's really amazing just what you know young people are coming out with, and it was really important for myself and the organization to actually give them a platform, um, and just you know create proper sustainable energy um advocates and activists as well, just like we have in the climate world.
1: Fantastic. Well, Lola, thank you so much for taking time to speak with us and for your leadership and passion. Uh, that's really starting to, I think, make a mark. And I know you've only been in the job as the CEO for SE4ALL for several months now, but uh, it's very clear that you're you're making it bad. So thank you so much.
0: Okay, thank you, William and Paul, for having me.
1: Thanks, everyone, for listening. A reminder that you can find a wealth of sector news, analysis, and data on our website, powerforall.org, as well as our platform for energy access knowledge, which we refer to. You can also sign up for our monthly newsletter and other updates, and if you feel like making a tax-deductible contribution to Powerful All, you can do so from our homepage. Speak with you soon on the next episode of